This is Back of the Net and Beyond. My name's Danny Thomas, and today I'm going to be speaking to Michael Lyons, who's a former teammate and a former Derby midfielder. How's it going, Mickey? You okay? Yeah, very good. Thanks, mate. Good to uh, good to catch up after all these years. Ridiculous. Last time we caught up was what 16. <sighs> yeah, it was. Uh, so we started at Lillishall '95, left left in '97. And we haven't spoken since then, mate, which is, which is crazy because I, I don't think we even played against each other after. I'm not sure. Actually, we didn't or play did against we? each other, but I remember when I was, I left Forest and then yeah. I remember coming to Derby on trial and I was probably there for a week. So that was uh, the yeah. last time we saw yeah. each other, but I think yeah, we were still crazy. kind of 16 years old. So long time, very, long time. Still very young, mate. Yeah, <laughs> still very young. But um, it, it seems... You know, you can probably empathise. It just seems like a like another lifetime in a way yeah, when you think back to it. But yeah, it's uh, scary, yeah. mate. Nearly forty years old is uh, time flying. <laughs> Crazy. Are you forty yet, or are you forty next year? No, I'll be forty next year. So uh, you're like me then. We still we still got a bit of time. I know. Yeah, still hanging on. <laughs> yeah. Thanks for coming on. Really appreciate it. Um, as I mentioned before, kind of previous people that have listened to the podcast. It's generally about making people aware that athletes have transferable skills, which essentially are suitable to other industries, other kind of organisations, different careers. And also it's about making kind of those industry leaders aware that athletes are out there and they are employable, if that makes sense. Yeah, Um, So in terms of you, I want to take it kind of way back to the start, kind of in terms of football, essentially, where did it all start for you? Yeah, it's a good, good, good starting question, really. So, um, my brother, uh, Patrick, uh, who's sort of three or four years older than me, um, he got involved in football from a young age, um, maybe eight, nine, um, and, and was a good player. You know, from an early age, he was a, he was a good player, and he was identified as someone that was that was talented. And I suppose as the younger brother, um, I just looked up to him, and and uh, you know, we'd be out in the garden, um, practicing, playing. Um, and I suppose you know, it was that competing mentality as a younger brother, really, to say, well, I want to be as good as him, or you know, if I can be better, or you know. <laughs> yeah. um, so, so that played a part because actually my, my dad didn't play at all. You know, he wasn't much of a sportsman. My oldest brother, not really into, into sport or football. He, he was more of, a, more of an academic, really. Um, so, yeah, it, it was very much my brother Patrick. And then, as, as you know, Danny, it just, it just sort of takes shape from there. You, just, you start to become a bit obsessed with it, really. You know, once you think, oh, I'm, I'm actually all right at this game. Um, and then you obviously have coaches that are quite influential. Um, you know, I had a couple of coaches at Derby when I was probably 10 or 11 Mm. that were very influential and and, and very supportive. Mm. Um, yeah. And it just sort of took shape from there. And before I knew it, I I was, I I was someone that was quite talented in my age group and it, 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 it wasn't the case when I was 10. It was, you know, it just started to happen when I was sort of 12, 13, just before obviously Lillishall started to kick off. Mm. Um, so, yeah, it, it, you know, it just sort of, it, it just, it just sort of started to, to take shape from there, really, mate. Yeah. I mean, so. I remember, for those that don't know, in order to get into Lillishall, there's a series of trials, which essentially means they get a bunch of players together from different kind of areas across yeah. the UK and you, you kind of being assessed normally for one or two days, sometimes longer. And yeah. I remember going to those trials, kind of Midlands, um, obviously yeah, not from yeah. Derby, kind of in and around that area, and I'm from Leamington. So yeah. we're always kind of in the same kind of childish group. And I always remember right. like, coming across you thinking, like, we're both small, and we, we were obviously both small then as well, like tiny, um, slight build, and kind of really yeah. small in height. I remember just seeing you, I just used to think, like this, this guy's so good on the ball and that, and he's like <laughs> small, and he's playing in midfield. And I was a striker, and I, I used to rely a lot on my pace. Uh, back yeah. Then. 
I didn't really have much game understanding because obviously we were only young, really. But I remember you were like a bit different. You were kind of real technical. Wasn't mm. strong, but you you couldn't no. you wouldn't look at you and say, "Oh, he's not strong," because you you would yeah. hold your own. Um, and you were always one of the like most confident ones off the pitch because I was really like quiet, especially as a young yeah. um, going into kind of like new surroundings. You, you're meeting people that you've never met before. And you always seemed to be one who was always like in and around like the, the banter, even at a young age. Yeah. I didn't even know what banter was then. It was just a case of yeah. going playing and going home. Um, so I remember yeah. that was the first time I kind of come across you. And then obviously, the more and more you progress, I kept seeing you. And I don't think we really spoke mm. until it was kind of no. at Lillyshaw, essentially. Um, That's it. And then we yeah, were in the so, room together, weren't we? <laughs> yeah, and I want to touch on that a bit later yeah. on. So, so now you're kind of, what, 10, 11, and you kind of yeah. realise people are talking about you and you're kind of the best in your kind of peer group and whatever else, best in your area, or one of them anyway. And yeah. then what happened? Who, were you playing Sunday League, and then? Yeah, I was playing playing loads of football, mate. As you as you as you you can probably remember yourself. I mean, it's not like now where you know, literally from the age of six or seven, which is ridiculous. You know, they can only play for one, you know, one team, which is the academy. You know, if they're, if they're good enough at that level. Whereas back in the day, you know, you were playing for Derby or, or Leicester in your circumstances. Um, uh, then you'd play for your district team, you'd then play for your Sunday league team, and then you'd play for your school team. You know, you'd, you'd have four teams, mm. um, but you'd, you'd love every every team, really. You know, you'd, you'd be so passionate about playing, and, um, you know, we had some good players. I mean, one of the players that went on to make it, actually, who I played with from maybe 10, was a guy called Chris Riggett, who, who ended up playing for Middlesbrough and yeah, yeah. Um, played at a decent yeah. level. Um, and he was someone at, you know, in, within Derby and obviously Kev, you know, Kev Nicholson, who was England schoolboy captain. So mm -hmm. we had some really good players around Derby and Goffy as well. Yeah. Um, Stephen Goff. So it, it, it's funny how you said, oh, actually, yeah, Mickey, you were, you know, someone that was stood out as someone quite technical. And because I was quite small, I needed to be technical. Yeah. You know, I, I, I had no, and I'll come on to probably talk about this, but as I got older, I had no athletic strengths, really. Uh, and I think in the end, that that's probably was the pivotal thing for me. Um, and, but so I, my game had to be so tight. You know, my first touch had to be brilliant. You know, my awareness had to be brilliant because I just couldn't compete physically. Mm. Um, so my brain had to be quicker, you know. So I really... And, and there's a natural element to that as well. I, I think I just, you know, had that natural ability to be able to play that way, I think. And then the technical side just came into it as well. Mm. Um, and I probably surprised myself when I went on the Lillishaw trials in terms of how well I did. Okay. Um, I, I, I probably went into it thinking I'll probably do the regional trial and, you know, if I get through that, like, I'll be happy. But I all of a sudden just started to get through the next one and the next one <laughs> and it was like oh I'm getting quite close here yeah you know um so brilliant and yeah. uh, for those that don't know off the top of my head I'm sure those trials went on for about a year it was, it was a long time wasn't it a long yeah. time and obviously at that point you're still going to school you, you kind of you don't know who you are you haven't discovered yourself yet so it was all no. new and um indirectly there was a lot of pressure there but I didn't feel it I don't know about you but you were just going out and just playing, essentially. Oh, I got, I got quite nervous, mate. Did yeah, you? I, I, yeah, I, and and this is another thing as well. I, I got quite anxious when I played football. So, okay. like before games, mm. and actually, I do remember this about you. You were, you were very relaxed, very laid back character. And I used to think, like, Danny's so chilled. Like, he's, <laughs> you know, I wish I was more like that. Yeah, I'd get horrible butterflies, mate. Before, really? sometimes even before training. Okay, you know. Uh, and again, that was probably more at Lillishaw because I felt as though at times, there's, there's, a, there's a term called imposter syndrome. I don't yeah, know if you've come across that. Yeah. I had a little bit of that. A little, well, I had a lot of that at Lillishaw. I, I thought quite often, should I be it? Okay. You know, um, but, but obviously, I don't want to jump ahead. But coming back, yeah, I, during those trials, I'd put a lot of pressure on myself and be like, 
I have, I have to be as good as I can possibly be today. Otherwise, I'm not going to get anywhere near it. Right. Um, and maybe that helped me to perform. Mm. Um, and, and I always had a very good attitude. You know, I was always very attentive to the coaches, always listening. Yeah. You know, if I'm honest, like trying to be the busiest one in the session. <laughs> <laughs> because again... Well, yeah, because again, I, I didn't stand out physically. I thought, yeah. how am I going to stand out? Well, I've, I've got to be busy. I've got to be good attitudes and I've got to like technically be on it. Yeah. So, yeah. So that um, was my experience, really. Yeah, I can understand. Um, and I mean, yeah, I understand where, where you're coming from when you say busy. Mm. And again, mm. I do remember you kind of, the coaches always used to draw to you in terms of like having a conversation i was always like in the background i'm talking about the trialist stages and things like that yeah yeah, yeah. players that always knew the coaches like you and kev always knew so yeah. it was like well, how does this happen it was all new and yeah. i was just one of those that would just go do my thing and then and go home so from yeah, that perspective yeah, yeah. again i remember how you were the early days like on the field um, yeah. you always came across like quite confident and then off it um similar thing um yeah. so it's like it's i wouldn't say crazy it's just i weren't i weren't expecting you to say what you just said in terms of how you felt because it that didn't yeah. come across which again that's probably that's a good thing because yeah, if you yeah. felt that way and then you you portrayed it people would pick up on that and maybe use that against you um and use it to their advantage you know what it's like in football where people can kind of get one upmanship at any point oh naturally they'll do that um so then you've obviously <laughs> gone I was going to say, I think on the um, outgoing part of my personality, like outside of the mm. pitch, again, that was, I mean, I am outgoing, don't get me wrong, I'm a very social person, I like interacting with people and probably why I've ended up in the career I'm in as well. Yeah. But um, again, there was, there was still an anxiety, not an anxiety there, but a, a, a case of, you know, I wasn't the biggest, you know, I wasn't someone that could walk into a room and like, own the room physically or anything like that so I think you when you're smaller sometimes you need something else mm. you know and uh, I, I suppose I've always liked the banter and always liked having a bit of a laugh as well you know yeah. um, but 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 yeah so it's in, it's interesting to hear you say that mate to be honest because it, yeah. it, it wasn't always coming from an area of like like massive confidence to be honest it was just okay a way of me coping as well mm. so I mean so so you've obviously gone through the, the stage of kind of playing for your school team and yeah. kind of your local team or whatever else. And then you're at Derby um, kind of indirectly, as, as you said before, kind of you could play for three or four different teams and it was yeah. it was all legal and above board then. It's, it's slightly different now. But obviously Derby's put you forward and you've gone to the trials for um, obviously Lily Shawn and you've obviously got in. So how did it feel like when you opened that letter? Was it you that opened it, your mum or dad? Like what? What was the process? So I do. This is one of the distinct memories I have of when I was younger. Because you know what it's like when you get older. Your, your memory of things when you're teenager and just start to drift. Yeah. But this one sticks in the memory. And actually, the letter landed, and it was actually my sister Michelle that said, "Michael, there's a there's a big letter that's landed, like an A4 size envelope. <laughs> um, do you think it's do you think it's uh, the FA or to do with Lillishaw? Because we were expecting it." Yeah. So she brought it up stairs. I was still in bed, to be honest. And uh, she opened it and um, she didn't obviously pull the, the letters out. So I pulled it out and I, I didn't know what to expect. But when I saw the, the, the starting line of I'm delighted to be able to offer you a, you know, a place yeah. at um, the national school. I mean, I, I just I must admit it's one of the, the most elated feelings I think I've ever had mm. it, because and you, you'll probably relate to this because those trials were so drawn out and so long and quite pressurized, I think, towards the end, because we almost had like, it was like a four day trial, the last one, wasn't it? Yeah. I think we did like an interview even. I think we even had like interviews or we had like time with the coaches. I think we did. They, I remember having um, like IQ tests and things like that as yeah. well. So yeah, it was intense. We had a heart, ex we had a heart uh, scan. And yeah, all that yeah. sort of like we you know we had like medicals and stuff yeah so it was almost like building you up you know over a year mm. um 
So to actually then get the letter to say you're in, mm. it, it, I mean, it will still go down, it, it, you know, as one of the, the best achievements, you know, in, in yeah. my life, you know, and, and how many lads really can, can, you know, will be able to look, on, look back on a moment like that. So you, you, you've, got to, you've got to cherish it, to, to be yeah. honest. Um, and, and then obviously, yeah. so you've, you've gone to Lily Shaw. How did you find it? Like, obviously, we're there for two years. 14 to 16, yeah. those are like pivotal years in, in your yeah, kind of yeah. development stages. How did you find it? God, where do I start, mate? I mean, <laughs> honestly, because there's so many aspects to it. I mean, there's so yeah. many layers, you know. Um, I think if I was to try and categorise the different parts of it, I mean, initially you drop in there. Mm. And obviously we were juniors, weren't you? And you had the senior group. And I think I was just so starstruck, even at that point, by the senior group, mm. you know, so um, you obviously suss out your new teammates and we had some incredible players in our group, you know, yeah. Scott Parker, uh, Francis Jeffers, Alan Smith initially, yeah. um, you know, Lee Cannaville, Kep, you know, there was just, it was just, a, and, and what, you, and again, coming back to my point of imposter syndrome, you think, well, I'm good at football, you know, I know I'm good at football, particularly yeah. in Derby, I'm a big fish in a small pond. You go there mm. and all of a sudden it's like the rules of the game change. You're like, <laughs> I'm, I'm like the worst player. <laughs> I'm potentially the worst player in this group. But, yeah. um, but, but then you look at the senior group and I don't, I don't know if you remember this, there was a game that we played. It was one of the first sessions we had mm. where you play against the senior group. So it was juniors versus seniors. Yeah. And uh, we had Keith Blunt as the coach, who was like incredible and, you know, uh, God bless his soul, you know, because I know he's passed on, but um, he was a hard coach, but like a great coach. Yeah. He was like, right, juniors, you've got as many touches as you want. Mm. And seniors, you're on one touch. I don't know if you remember this. And they, they battered us. Yeah. They, 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 I think it was like five or six nil. And Michael Owen like scored four, you know, yeah. in that game. And you were just like, this is different level of football. Yeah. Like, just incredible. You know? Yeah, it, it was scary. And sometimes I try and kind of tell people, what, only when they ask. And it's hard to kind of express kind of how it was. Yeah, um, yeah. And I always draw on people like Michael Owen and Wes Brown just because they're household names. So as soon as you say that, people will realise the standard you're talking about, Scott Parker, Francis yeah. Jeffers. It was just, for Red me, Wilson. when I went there... Similar to you, so I was always kind of the best or one of the best in my area. Went to the trial, mm. sort of Midlands, kind of Warwickshire, whatever. And I was still kind of holding my own as one of the best. And I yeah. was a striker. And then I went to Lily Sean. I don't know if you remember, you, you have to have, you have to put down your second favourite position. So I didn't really have one. But I was left yeah, foot. Yeah. I just said left midfield. Didn't even say left wing. I just said left midfield. And then throughout my time at Lily Shaw, I ended up just playing. like left. Yeah, left you were midfield. always left, left side, yeah. weren't you? Yeah. So, but when I went there, it was like, wow. So you look at Stuart Taylor, who was still growing, but he was like six foot four. But then you've got Matthew. Great Gent, keeper was, as well. Great. Yeah, I, I thought it's great keeper. Yeah. And then you've got Matthew Gent, same standard. Yeah. He was like what six foot three, but he was like a man shaving. He was a man. Then you've got yeah. Kev, who I'm gonna say Kev probably hasn't grown, but Kev was like <laughs> built like a man. Because if like now I'm what five seven, so I've grown. Yeah. And that just shows you how small me and you were. But oh, I think God. that's probably the same height. Um, yeah. Always like stocky and Lee Cannaville and other people. And I was always one of the fastest until I went to Lily Shaw and I was like probably the fourth fastest in the team. It was just a different kettle of fish. It's yeah. I, th I think what struck me as well was the, how, what, what, what's the word I'm looking for? With the, with the senior players in that first year, how ahead of us they were. So like Kenny Lund, and you remember like Jamie Day, he's like playing midfield. Like yeah. you just couldn't get near them. No, like you scary. couldn't get near them at all. And then um, the, the, the one thing I think that Lillishall did for all of us, and particularly for me, the way your game developed, you know, during that two years, and whether you were going to make it or not, there's no way you can say at the end of the two years that you didn't become an exceptional player in some way, you know, in, in terms of the way that you controllable, passable, know the next pass, you know, see a picture, yeah. 
you know, there's no way you would have got that, I don't think. Well, this is what I think anyway, within a, you know, in a, an academy setting, because it was, it was so intense. Um, and look, you know, there are players that didn't go there and obviously were exceptional as well. You know, there's, there's, there's many of those. But I think everyone in our group um, improved exponentially during, during those two years. Um, and just some great experiences, mate. I mean, I think, you know, meeting some great friends, you know, some great funny people, funny situations, <laughs> um, you know, and, and, and a real character builder. Mm. Um, I mean, one of the toughest moments was, you know, which um, you might recall was, we obviously had England schoolboy trials whilst you're at Lillishall and, the, the, you know, I didn't make it into England schoolboys. And that was tough because you, it, it almost created like a bit of a subgroup. Yeah. So you were, you were at Lillishall, but you weren't in England schoolboys. Mm. So that, that was quite tough. But again, I didn't really, at the time, I thought I'm not going to let this affect me because there's still so much else to be positive about at, at yeah. the school. Um, and yeah. But, but um, the, the, only, the only other thing I'd say, mate, is that, and I think you've touched on this in your other podcasts, is there were some players that you just knew were going to make it. Like, without a shadow of a doubt, there was two or three in each group or, you know, that were definitely going to make it, yeah. you know. And then there was some that had a good chance of making it. And then I, I would class myself probably in the lower category of you could make it, but there's still a bit to go. You know, um, and that's how I sort of saw myself, really. I, I, I never saw myself as like one of the best there, not you know, but I saw myself as someone that could improve. That's it. I was pretty much the same. So I, I second that and I, I probably say I second everything you've just said. Um, yeah. I mean, in terms of Lillyshaw, I kind of left there with a lot more game understanding. So yeah. what I tend to say, and I've probably said this many times on like the podcast before, when I looked at people like, Scott Parker, uh, Lee Cannaville, Kevin Nicholson, Paul Wheatcroft, people like that, Francis Jeffers, they all had like some game understanding. Obviously, yeah. we all did, otherwise we wouldn't be there. But theirs no. was a slightly different level. Um, so I was always kind of tentative in training, um, kind of, I wanted to learn, I had to learn more about the game. And again, mm. I, was, I was basically starting a new position because um, I went yeah, there yeah. solely as a striker and then I ended up playing left wing. Um, and then in terms of kind of England schoolboys, I always, my way around that was, oh, that's not proper England. Like, we're proper England. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that right, was me. And yeah, I always yeah. knew as well, because before, before we had the England schoolboy trials, we always, I think we had like a prep talk and there was rumours going around that if you're small, generally yeah. you can get in. It was always the yeah. bigger players that would get in. And that happened to, well, we were evidence for that. We've seen it. Yeah, yeah. Because of my birthday, I think your birthday as well, we had an opportunity to play in the year younger as well. Yeah, the year, the year uh, below. Still didn't get in. <laughs> so, no, no, no. So I mean, yeah, I mean, but, but when you look at some of the players, mate, I mean, you know, uh, I, think, I think there was a lad called Michael Standing, you know, who, who was a midfielder. And I, I remember him coming to the trials and going, he's, he's a good player. You know, even though I'm at Lillishall, I looked at him and thought, he's, he's quality. You know, yeah. so there was still a, 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 a good standard of players outside the school as well that you knew you'd compete against. I mean, another one was Leon Osman. Do you remember him? Class, yeah. I mean, oh my word. Like when we yeah. played Everton, we, we had a game against Everton away. I think it's the only game we lost. Yeah, probably right. We, we got beat because he, he just ran the show. Yeah. You know, so there were still some players outside of the school that you thought, I'm, 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 I'll do well to be better than them if that makes sense yeah. but um but no I, you know if you think of some of the tours we had there as well you know um we the had Nordic. the yeah went to the nordics went to thailand went to brazil yeah you know it's i missed I mean, them because i was injured so i was in oh, the squad oh yeah it was like yeah. A, it was a squad with the seniors weren't it that's um, right yeah and john harley and yeah so I um I had a hairline fracture in my back. Don't know if you can remember. Yeah. And um, yeah, I remember I, actually. Yeah. I ended up missing those, and that was a bit of a shame. Um, but yeah, it was one of those situations that there was no way I could have gone anyway. Um, that, yeah, and that, they were pretty. They were pretty strict, weren't they, around injuries as well? Yeah, you know, if yeah. you if you weren't fit, 
um, you know, it was, it was a case of, look, we've got to take players that, you know, that, that, that are fit and, and, and ready to go. But, yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, look, just a, just a great experience. And it's, it's hard to almost explain it to people that haven't been there. You know, uh, yeah. it's, it's, a bit of a, it's a bit of a special club, really, isn't it? Of, yes. of you know, and uh, yeah, so, yeah, great experience, really. I, I, I can't say any more than that. Same here. So then you've obviously graduated from Lillyshaw and then a couple of months off school holidays and then you start your apprenticeship at Derby. Um, and obviously Derby held you in high regards, I remember as well, um, just like they did with all of us. Just that, yeah, that yeah. kind of progression. Um, so talk to me about your time at Derby. Like, how did you find it? Kind of, obviously, you go there and like a big, big expectation because people are saying, well, here's Nicky Lyon. Went to Lillyshaw yeah, yeah. for England. So... We're expecting him to like perform for us. So just talk me through kind of yeah. how you felt stepping into those shoes. So if if I look at Derby, it was it was quite tough. I think overall, if I look at the whole three years that I had, because mm. basically I I'd agreed post Lillishall to be there three years. So you know, in the old world, prior to um, the three-year apprenticeship, if you like, that you have now. Um, I did a year's apprenticeship and then agreed that I'd, I'd turn pro at 17. So I did two year pro after that. So I, I knew I had three years there. Mm. Um, but yeah, I, th there was expectation, um, I think, for yourself, but also the club bringing you in think, right, we've got someone that could go and be a bit of a, a, bit of a homegrown talent, bit of a star for us. Mm. Um, and that's that's all I was focused on to be honest Danny like that, that I, I wanted that more than anything you know it was my home club I'd watched Derby since the age of eight mm. um I was very passionate about the club and I wanted to be a you know I, want, I wanted to be that player for them you know a bit, bit of a midfield dynamo to be honest yeah um when I when I actually started at Derby that was probably one of the best Derby teams, I think, we've had in the last 30 years. Really? So, yeah, if, if, if you think about the, the squad we had then, so it was, it was Wangchop, it was Bayano, Iranio, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Bohinan, Rowett, Christian Dale. You know, for a Derby team, we had some great players. You know, we, we, we had some great players. And I think in that first season, that Derby finished, I think they finished eighth in, in the mm -hmm. Prem. So, you know, uh, I think they even beat like the invincible teams like 3 0. You know, so they were, they, they were, they were a good, good, solid yeah. team. And I suppose the reason I'm saying that is, is the depth of the squad in first team and reserves was, was, was massive. Um, so you knew there was a test on really to almost sort of progress through, get to yeah. his reserves and almost prove to Jim Smith at the time that you were someone that could compete. Yeah. Um, and um, th this was probably where I started to maybe think, hmm, have I got it? Because I, I came from Lillishall and I stood out technically without a shadow of a doubt. And, and I was ahead of people from a game situation, game thinking, understanding. I was, I was a step ahead in terms of seeing pictures. Yeah. But physically and athletically, I was way off it. You know, so whether that was speed, whether it was power, whether it was getting up for headers, yeah, that was something that just wasn't me. Um, and but anything that was ball at the feet, passing, you know, I was as good as anyone. But um, but it it, it it just sort of got to a point where I think the coaches looked at me and thought, I'm not sure we could uh, put him ahead of a Daryl Powell or a Lars Bohinen or a, you know, and uh, it, being honest, Danny, as well, I, my consistency struggled. So one game I'd be outstanding yeah. and then the next two, I wouldn't quite be at the races. You know, sometimes I get substituted at like 60 minutes because I've not been in the game. I've not right. been on the ball enough. Mm -hmm. And that hit my confidence. And I, I think I, I felt after year one, um, that I might be up against it. I did have a good spell in the reserves in, in year two where I probably played about 10 games on the bounce, 10 or 15 games. Okay. And I did quite well. Yeah. 
probably the turning point. We played Sunderland away in the reserves, played at the Stadium of Light, actually. Mm. And uh, I, um, I, I, I picked up the ball and, and was pushing forward. And uh, do you remember Gavin McCann who used to play for yeah, Sunderland? Yeah. Um, yeah. He, he was playing at the time. I think he yeah. was like a regular first team who was coming back. Yeah. And I touched the ball and as I touched it, he came in full throttle. Right. Right onto my right ankle. Ooh. And um, probably the worst injury I had, I tore all my ligaments. Um, I was out for about three or four months, which, which carried through into the third season. Yeah. Like my last season. Right. So that was tough. I mean, I struggled after that injury as well to get my fitness back and my form back. But mm. I've, I've got no excuses, mate. I think I think in the end it just didn't it, it just didn't quite happen for me. I think I think athletically I probably wasn't good enough. Okay. And the the way I look at it now is if you're a technical player you've got to be outstanding technically. You know, you've got to almost be like a David Silver where you literally just don't make a wrong decision throughout a whole game. Yeah. You know? And even David Silver was probably quite quick. Yeah. You know, he was probably still quite quick. Mm. Um, and so, so I, I, I was never like that good, mm. you know, technically to be able to, to play at the top level. You know, I think that, that's how I sort of look at it really. You know, I'm pretty honest about that. Yeah, I mean, that's an honest um, kind of um, outlook on it, really. Yeah. And this is what I want to hear, because sometimes people don't see this side of the game. Uh, and they just assume that you kind of leave school, do your apprenticeship in the first team or reserve or whatever, and then you kick on from there. And yeah, that can happen, but sometimes it doesn't. And obviously, you're a prime example of that. I mean, how did it yeah. make you feel when they kind of said, look, we're not going to kind of keep you on? What, what was your thought process? What were you thinking at that point? Well, I mean, I can remember. That's one of the days I remember as well, if I look back. And I, I remember getting the news. Do you, do you remember John Peacock? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so, so John Peacock was actually a coach at Lillishaw sometimes, wasn't he, for us? Yeah. And, I mean, I knew John from when I was 10 or 11. Oh, okay. John ended up becoming the academy, uh, head of the academy at Derby when I was there. Right. Um, so we got to year three for me and it was him and uh, Billy McEwen, who was the reserve team manager, who yeah. basically said, look, technically we can't fault you. You know, you're a great player, um, you know, on the ball. No, no one really can compete, but it's just this physical side of the game. It's this athletic side. It's probably the consistency as well. Mm. Just said, look, we We've had a chat with the first team manager, obviously at the time, Jim Smith, and whilst he'd love to be able to keep you, he, he just doesn't know where he could fit you into that team or, or right. into his thoughts long term. So we're going to have to let you go. Right. And it, I, I did have an inkling beforehand that that could be the case, but it's just when you hear it, yeah, there's nothing worse, and and your whole dreams get shattered in that one one moment. And I remember just going somewhere quiet and I, I you know I, I was upset you know I was upset I, I, I had a cry and you know you, you basically everything that you've put your heart and soul into is not is not going to happen mm. well at least it, with that club yeah um, you know and I was very wedded to Derby you know I'm from Derby mm. um, but luckily I, you know I had close um family and friends and you regroup and um and and you just think well look i've got to pick myself up mm. and realize that you know derby is just one club yeah. you know that there could be other options mm. um so that's where i then started to to look at other clubs okay um two clubs were interested at the time one was plymouth Right. Okay. Um, and there's a funny story on this one, actually, Danny, because um, they they watched me on um, a trial. Uh, we used to have these exit trials. I don't know if you remember. Oh, yeah. So all the lads that get released go yeah. to something called exit trials, mm-hmm. which is a weird situation because you got basically loads of lads turning up with with their heads hanging. And <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, it's and, and having to go and play against each other when they've just been released. Yeah. Um, but. Um, 
but quite useful because you got all the all the scouts from the football league going to watch. Mm. Um, and basically, Plymouth came forward and Berry came forward. Okay. So went to Plymouth, six-hour train journey, got got to the station, and the first team manager. I can't even remember who it was now. I, I, I bet if I checked it, I'd be able to say right. Plymouth manager in two thousand. Who was okay. it? But he basically said, "Hello, Mickey. How are you doing?" He said, "I thought you'd be bigger." Oh wow. <laughs> I was like, what? This... I know. I was like, is the scout not putting that put that in his report that I was only like five foot nothing? Um, <laughs> so that that just didn't work out because I think from day dot he was just like, I'm not sure this because they were div three at the time as well. Yeah, yeah. Physical um, league at them times. Oh god, yeah. And then um, cut long story short, that that didn't work, and I, I wouldn't have signed for Plymouth anyway, mate. It was just too far. Didn't yeah. fancy it really as, as mm. a location. Uh, I went to Bury, yeah. And Andy Priest was the manager of Bury. Do you remember he was like a, a striker? Yeah, yeah. Uh, really good guy, really really nice guy. And I ended up getting an offer offered a contract with them. Okay. Um, <laughs> they offered me a hundred and fifty quid a week. What? <laughs> That's a joke. Honestly, I swear. Yeah, 150 quid a week to do a year's pro. I mean, they were struggling for cash at the time. Yeah. Um, like, really struggling. Um, and um, th- this was the pivotal moment. This is a critical part of this podcast, actually, Danny. Okay. Because this, this is a message, I think, that is useful to share. So, I was very tempted, even though it was 150 quid a week, to take that contract because I thought it keeps my dream going potentially in football. Yeah. You know, if I do well at Bury, get a run of games, who knows, I could be back up the leagues. Mm. Um, but I remember having a very um, sort of memorable conversation with my dad. And my dad was like, Michael, he said, great that you've got an offer. Great that you could you know, play league football potentially for Bury. you know, still still a very notable club. I think they would div too. Yeah. But at the time, I had an offer to go to Loughborough University. Okay. Uh, to do a scholarship. Uh, basically, Derby had a link with one of the tutors at Loughborough and he was doing all of our academic stuff at Derby, a guy called Darren Robinson. Right. Um, and Darren basically said, look, if you don't find a club... I will uh, ensure that you get a scholarship at Loughborough Uni and you'll get onto a sports science degree at uni. Wow. Uh, which, which at the time you needed to get two A's and a B to get onto it at A level. Wow. Um, and I mean, I was like, oh, okay, Darren, yeah. I mean, I've still got this dream I want to pursue. I'm not sure. Yeah. Um, but my dad said, Michael, he said, you realise that the chance to get a degree versus this contract at Berry said you got to weigh that up mm. you know if, if you turn Loughborough down and it doesn't work out at Berry, what are you left with you might not get that opportunity to go to Loughborough next year True. so I, I ended up listening to him and I, I, I just said to Berry, I said look appreciate your offer I mean obviously the money was terrible so yeah. <laughs> didn't make yeah. it that difficult yeah. uh, but I said I'm, I'm going to take this scholarship at Loughborough Mm. And honestly, Danny, it was the best decision I think I made. Really? Um, yeah, because the experience I had there was incredible, you know. And and there was a there was other lads that I met there that also had got released from clubs. Okay. So I had a bit of a peer group. Yeah. Um, I'm conscious. I'm talking a lot here. Sorry if you want to interject. Oh no, this is what I want. Yeah, <laughs> it's about you. It's not about me. So I'm just. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I'm intrigued to hear what you For think. anyone listening, this is what I was like at Lillishaw. Just used to talk <laughs> low. Um, but, um, but, but yeah, it, 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 was a, it was one of the best things I made. And, and I was a bit apprehensive because I thought, am I going to go into an environment where no one's ever been at a club? Mm. No one's really, you know, played for a team like Derby or, you know, they've maybe just played yeah. good district football or something. But there was lads there from... All, all football league clubs, you know, and um, we, we were a really good side, actually, at Loughborough, you know, as you can imagine, yeah. at, at that level. Yeah, yeah of course. Um, but at the same time, it was difficult because I was turning my back on the game, you know, the professional game. Mm. Um, and th- I suppose that was the point, really, Danny, where, you know, if I look at you and 
people like Lee Cannibal and those guys that actually went on to play a bit of league football. Mm. That's where I almost I went down a completely different road to, yeah. to, to, to the road that you guys were still on. Mm. Um, you know, at the age of nineteen or twenty. So. It was still difficult mentally at the time to deal with it, but yeah. when I look back, being at Loughborough was incredible. Incredible. That's massive. And um, obviously, that's a massive decision. If you if yeah. you kind of think about where you are now in terms of maturity, 39, 19, yeah. 20, 21, 22, you're still really, really young. Um, yeah. And to make that decision, because obviously, you've got a dream. You've been playing all those years beforehand, training every day, been to Lily Shaw. You can see kind of everyone else who you probably, well, you probably assume that you were better than some players who were kicking on. And that's just yeah. a natural feeling to have. But you can see people kind of progressing or what you deem as prog progressing within their footballing career. And you've kind of, they've gone right and you've gone left. Yeah. Um, and that's commendable because that's, that's not easy, especially at a young age. Um, and that must have been a tough decision to, to obviously make. So I yeah. can only commend you for that because obviously... You've gone on to great things, which I want to touch on a yeah, bit later yeah. on. Um, so you've made that transition and you're obviously now at, at Loughborough. And you mentioned, I think it, it helped you because you had a peer group there and you could kind of have conversations. And obviously at those conversations, you'd obviously resonate with because they've been through that kind of similar pathway to you, been released yeah. and now they're there. So I'm assuming that made things slightly easier for yourself. Um, so then obviously what happened after after Loughborough then, like where did you go, what next, what was it next for you? Yeah, yeah, so um, th this is where there was a real divergence away from football, to, mm. to, be, to, to be honest, um, because the longer you're out of the game, you know, the, the, the more you just sort of distance yourself from the fact that it's never going to come back, if that makes sense. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, and Loughborough was four years, so I did three years sports science degree, and then I did a year. I did a master's degree for a year, uh, which was a like marketing and management degree. Being honest, I just wanted to. I didn't know what I was going to do, so I thought I'll do another degree. Um, <laughs> and and there was a good group of lads I was living with at the time, and we just we just stayed there another year, who, who were also good at football as well, actually. And, and okay. you know we're in a, we're in a similar similar situation. Mm. After I left, um, again probably another difficult period where it was like, what do I actually want to do? Mm. Um, and and this probably links to what this is all about, really, in terms of what 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 you're sharing, Daddy, is that you have to think very hard. I think as an ex-sports person about what your skills are, mm. you, you, because it's it's not as if you've gone down the road of doing medicine or you've gone down the road of doing a particular science or you know, and you sort of know what your career is going to be at the end of it. Um, mm -hmm. Or you do finance, you know, and you're going to end up in banking or something like that. Yeah. I think when you transition from sport, you can't really specify anything, you know, in, in terms of a skill set. I think what the, the, the four or five things you do have, though, are, you know, you've, um, you've worked in a team environment. You've had to perform under pressure. Um, you've had to be resilient. Um, you've had to deal with knockbacks. You know, and you, you've had to sort of pick yourself up quite often. Mm. Um, and you're probably someone as well that's, dare I say, it, you're probably quite confident about yourself as well, typically, because you've been good at the sport, you know, or you've been one of the best at something, you know. So I, I just looked at those skills and thought, where could that take me? Yeah. Um, and, and being honest, what, one of the biggest industries really is sales. Mm recruitment mm. there's a lot of exports people in recruitment yeah um or just sort of business to business interaction yeah um and i ended up just applying for a few roles after loughborough and getting some interviews um and one of them was with a um with was with a quite small business at the time um which um basically sold products into into schools Right. Um, so it was almost like a careers product that um, I sold into secondary schools right. um, where it would help students understand what they want to do when they're older. Okay. So it's a bit, bit of an irony really to the yeah, conversation yeah. because obviously it's what we're <laughs> talking about. Um, 
but that was a great first job because basically I'd go in and I'd do like presentations in front of like year groups wow. and I'd like present this product yeah. um, and I'd be going to like inner city Birmingham, yeah. sometimes down to London, I'd go to independent school. So it was really varied Yeah. and I'd have to stand up and just talk to them about this product and then answer questions and things like that. So it was a first job. Yeah. That was great, you know, in terms yeah. of communication, um, confidence in front of people, yeah. selling. Um, and then I did that for two or three years and, you know, it, it, I felt as though I'd sort of um, gone as far as I could with that business. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then I knew a couple of people that worked in recruitment. Right. Um, and uh, one of them lived in London. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I thought, actually, I've always wanted to maybe sample another city, you know, um, and, and I actually moved to London to, to work in recruitment oh, nice. for a couple of years. Yeah. So this was back in 2006. Right. Um, and uh, that was a real baptism of fire, actually. Um, that was, you know, here's a CV of someone. Mm. There's a list of 100 people go and call that list and sell that candidate to that list. Wow. It was like Wolf of Wall Street stuff. <laughs> yeah, it, you know, so again, again, this is quite interesting since the story. If you think I've gone from like thinking I was going to make it as a footballer. Yeah, yeah. Going to uni, not knowing what I was going to do and then, you know, falling into sales and all of a sudden I'm in this like boiler room in London selling yeah. CVs to, you know, to, to, to a list of clients like doing cold calling. Jeez. I know, I know, crazy. I was still playing non-league football at the time, by the way. So I was still okay. involved in football, but it was like non-league. Yeah. But, uh, it, it took a back seat. I mean, I was, I was just very centred then on trying to be successful in a new career. Yeah, of course. Um, so I wasn't particularly good at recruitment when I started. I was, I was awful. Um, okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, but... You know, if, if you speak to people in recruitment, they'll, they'll say that there's a moment where the penny drops right. and um, you start to link it all together as a job. Yeah. Uh, and once you understand the market and you build a relationship network, yeah. it's a great job and it's a great career. Mm. Um, so I ended up joining the business I'm now in. Um, after that period, um, I came back into the Midlands and I joined Michael Page, the company I work for now. Oh yeah, Birmingham. I know Michael Page. Massive, yeah. uh, massive company. Massive business, yeah, yeah. So, you know, again, I was quite fortunate in that the experience that I had with the business in London, which was a technology recruiter, mm-hmm. um, stood me in good stead for the interview with Page um, because it's quite hard to get into Michael Page. I mean, unless you've, well, you need to have a degree. Um, you need to probably have some sales experience or recruitment experience. And it's like a four stage interview. Wow. You know, um, and you meet in like three or four directors in those interviews. You get in absolutely grilled. Uh, you know, I'd probably say now that some of the interview techniques they probably couldn't use now. <laughs> <laughs> um, it was like, right, we're just going to sit you here for like three hours and, uh, you know, just, just, literally like interrogate you uh, but but yeah got it got in yeah and I've never looked back since then Danny I mean um I think the the disappointment of not making it as a footballer has just channeled my ambition into this career mm. and <clears throat> I've gone from almost like ground level to now to quite a senior role in the company um mm. you know so I'm, at the moment I'm operating director for the Midlands, um, uh, which incorporates some of the businesses in the Midlands because we, we're quite big. So there's other yeah. directors as well, but I'm, I'm one of the board members in the Midlands for, oh. for Michael Page. So, so you know, it, it, don't get me wrong, it's been a tough journey because, you know, in the 10 years I've been here, you know, th- there's been some dark days where, you know, you, you have to really pick yourself up because you're having a bad month personally, you know, from a sales perspective mm. or uh, when you go on to manage teams, your teams are having a bad month or a bad period and you've got to lead them through a tough period. Yeah. So, but all, all of the, the skills I learned 
coming through as a footballer or coming through Lillishaw or coming through Derby, mm. I still use today. Really? You know, I still, yeah, yeah. Whether it's, you know, getting back from disappointment, taking knockbacks, yeah. dealing with conversations, mm. um, delivering a message, you know, it, it, they're all skills I think were, were generated from a young age. That's massive. Um, um, and that's, um, I mean, I call it a story. It's, it's kind of, it's your life, essentially. Yeah. Uh, and that's what, again, that's what the podcast is about. That's, that's a journey and a half that you've taken. Um, <laughs> and that, that shows true resilience and drive. Um, and you've translated what you used to do on the pitch to kind of, call it a nine-to-five CVC. Yeah. Um, and yeah, now yeah. you're working as kind of one of the, I think you said, operational director at Michael Page. And, and Michael Page, they're not, they're not your average run-of-the-mill kind of recruitment company yeah. they're, they're like one of the best um so yeah. that's massive and i mean congratulations for doing that um yeah, long may it continue really happy and i like this because no disrespect to the people that i speak to on the podcast who i, I don't know but in some ways it's better when you've got a connection with someone uh, yeah. because sometimes the story means a that little bit more yeah honestly i know you indirectly um, so, I mean, I'm happy for you. I'm really happy that you're obviously doing well. Um, great story, like I said. And for anyone listening out there, for anyone who's in a situation where they kind of got a crossroads within their career, whether they're young or old or they're injured or whatever, and they're thinking about what to do afterwards, your true sentiment, so obviously what can actually happen, if you just put your mind to it, and it's not always going to be easy. And we all know football's not easy. Tennis, whatever sport you're playing, is not easy. Mm. So why do you think then that kind of Civvy Street would be any different? Sometimes you Completely. need to start from the bottom to get to middle stage and then progress onto the top. And that's just how life is in general. Um, so like I said... Could, couldn't agree couldn't agree more, mate. And I think, you know, yeah. you've obviously got two kids yourself and, you know, I've got, I've got two boys. And I think the, the biggest thing I want to instill in them is the right mindset. Yeah, you know the, the right mindset because I think I, I see it in my job now. You know the people that that are the most successful are the ones who have got the the right mindset. You know, they're we we always talk about do you have an open mindset or a fixed mindset? You know, and if if, if you're fixed, you 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 put limitations on everything. You know, whereas if you've got an open mindset, there are no limitations. You you can you can overcome any, anything that comes your way. You know, as long as you've got the right attitude and. Yeah, so, you know, I, th I think the message you, you're trying to get out there, Danny, is a great one. And, and, and that's why I, I, I probably reached out to you, to be honest, to say, <laughs> I, think, I think my story is like quite an interesting one because there are thousands of lads that, you know, and, and girls as well, depending on what, what you know, what, what they do, that, that will go through that experience of, you know, the first hurdle, they fall over. You know, they don't even get into the game yeah. They don't even get any first team appearances, you know, and and they've got past that point of A levels as well. Mm. What do you do then? Yeah, you know. True. True. So I mean, it's there's a question that I always ask, and just to go back slightly on what you said, because we had a little chat up there, and you said you reached out to me, which yeah, you did, but you was already on my list anyway, because I want the podcast yeah. to be kind of well-rounded. It's not about getting superstars on or people who have had a career. It's about people who have maybe dip their foot into sport at some, at some stage in their kind of life. And now I want to know what they're doing afterwards. Um, yeah. So again, like I said, you're always on my list anyway. Um, in terms of, this is like a generic question now, do you think more help's needed for athletes? So obviously we always resonate, we always talk about football just because of our natural connection to it, but talking about sport in general, in the UK, outside of the UK, do you think more is needed when it comes to call it transitioning away from the game, retirement, kind of whatever spin you want to put on it, it's more or less the same thing. I, I do. Yeah, I do. I think the, I think the level of support's definitely improved since we were players, mm. you know, without a doubt. I mean, I, I touched on it before we, we did start the podcast. My brother, Patrick, is still involved full-time, actually, in the game. So, I mean, he's, he's done incredibly well in, in his career. He's, he's, he's gone... Um, He's gone all the way through the coaching route. He's now under 23s coach for Derby. Um, and, uh, you know, he's got all his badges and, you know, but, but me and him often talk, 
about the level of support that young players get now versus you know back when we were youngsters and it is a lot better but it's still not good enough you know it's still a bit sort of there's a, a bit of lip service paid to the fact that yeah. oh there is something else mm. but worry about that after um you know we'll we'll put you in touch with some people yeah but it's it's a bit ad hoc you know it's not it's not structured and i think i've heard you talk about in previous podcasts about you know could it be more structured you know could could you actually have players whilst they're still at derby or leicester or wherever it might be just sampling a day in a workplace somewhere yeah. you know it could it could be anything you know it could could be anything and it and it just takes them from the football environment or, or the sport environment mm. and puts them into a typical work environment and they have a day in there or a week in there even where it's like right if you were in this environment what sort of skills yeah what sort of um aspects of your um you know your skill set would you need to apply you know and at least then they've had a week or they've had a few days where they, they, they visually think that's what it could be like. Yeah. Whereas at the moment, you just get people in telling them. Yeah. And it's not the same. You know, it's not the same. So yeah. I, I just, I think there's definitely more help, but I just think these organisations or these initiatives that are, are there could probably be a bit more creative or a bit more yeah. structured around it. That, yeah, that's definitely. all I think. Yeah, um, that completely makes sense and kind of resonates with what I've said previously as well. Um, I mean, lastly, um, yeah, I kind of I want you to. I don't know if you've got like any advice to anyone that may be listening, whether it be young or old. Kind of just advice in terms of how to approach maybe transitioning away from sport. Um, maybe advice that may aid you making that tr transition slightly easier as well. Um. Yeah, I think um, taking some time to reflect on what your skills are outside of sport, you know, outside of that sporting context. So having some time, whether that's time to yourself or speaking to someone, a professional, yeah. um, whether it's a careers professional or someone just in industry to sit with them and go, okay, I'm good at this sport, but if I just think about what else I, I could apply myself to or what skills that sport has given me that I could take into a new industry, let me just write them down, you know, get it down in black and white. Yeah. Um, and I think if people did that more and they almost sort of externalized that onto paper or onto, um, you know, a word document or whatever it might be, mm -hmm. um, it then almost starts to form what a CV would look like, you know, um, and, and again, in my industry, you know, we have to do a lot of work around how people present themselves on paper or in person. Mm. So I think there's definitely the advice I give to people is how would you sell yourself outside of a, a sporting environment? Mm. You know, whether that's on paper or whether it's like we're doing now. Yeah. You know, and almost like practice doing that. Yeah. Um, because you never know who you're going to meet um, and who you could impress. You know, outside of that of that sporting environment um yeah that's massive um i mean I, I generally ask that question quite a lot um yeah i think that's probably the first time someone's ever said something along those lines that's yeah. great advice and anyone that's listening uh, i would advise taking heed of that because it does make sense going forward there's always people on the lookout um yeah. as you know especially in sport you're always meeting people you never know who you're going to be kind of working with 10 years down the line so it's always good to maybe give that first impression uh, make it decent. Um, pe people love sport, mate. You know, pe yeah. the, you know, the Joe Blog on the street loves sport. Typically, you know, yeah. so if, if you've already got some common ground with someone because you you played a sport, you know, and it's typically something that people will also want to talk about. So it's then just thinking, okay, how do I take that common ground and? Yeah, you know, and, and almost take it further, really. Uh, I mean, you know, initially for me with recruitment, I'd use football as an icebreaker. Okay. You know, it was, oh, yeah, who do you support? Oh, I'm a big, you know, United fan or, oh, okay, yeah, I'm a big Derby fan. And then, and then you start to peel back the layers on, oh, okay, 
And so I used to play a little bit as well. And all of a sudden, you got a client who is talking about football with you for half an hour, yeah. and then you'll talk you'll talk business for ten minutes. Yeah, that's true. And I've yeah. said that as well. I mean, I use that technique um, quite a lot, to be honest. And that's uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. true. It, it generally always works, anyway. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. But yeah, really appreciate you coming on. Uh, enjoy no, no. that. Uh, hopefully, we'll catch up soon. Um, again, we need to jump on this WhatsApp group again. No, no, no. Get the boys from the Lishaw um, on a night out. But who knows? Obviously, circumstances. It, we can't do that at the moment. But really yeah. appreciate your time today, and hope everything goes that's well. Fine. Hopefully, I didn't talk too much, mate. Oh, <laughs> uh, this is that's what I want. Uh, like I said, it's not about me. It's, uh, it's about yeah. the guests. So um, yeah, thanks for coming on, and uh, good luck going forward. And I think, yeah, Danny, just to say, I think it's a great podcast that you're running, mate. And uh, I think there's been some brilliant insight already and, and some great advice that people can take. So well done. Well done to you as well. Thanks a lot, mate. Speak soon. All right. Cheers, yeah. mate. See Cheers. you later. Bye.